Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Welcome to City Hope. I am so glad you're here today. If this is your first time, I would love to meet you, but I want to give a little, um, a little, if you really don't like my exuberance and the way I teach, usually my husband, who is super calm and cool and a very gifted teacher, he normally um, preaches. So if you're like, oh my goodness, that girl's a wackadoodle, no worries. I'm probably not going to speak for another long time. Okay? So we all good? All right, so um, today we are in week two of our series. Does anybody remember what it's called? It's probably on the screen. <laughs> Never mind, it's on the screen. Fooling around. Um, and we're talking about relationships and the way that God originally designed relationships. But I'm about to tell you a story. You might know this story, but I didn't, and I have been like flabbergasted by it. Has anybody, raise your hand if you've ran a marathon? Okay, okay, you, I see you guys. What about if you ran a half a marathon? Okay, what if you, in your mind, ran a marathon? <laughs> Me too. Um, I, my goal was by, I was, by the time I turned 40, I had a pretty big goal to run a marathon. Um, I'm 42, so I'm just going to switch it, and I'm just going to say my goal is to run a marathon before I die, or even walk a marathon, okay? Does anybody else want to do it with me? We can just walk. I think we could do it. No? Okay, so I'm going to read a story. The marathon is one of the most strenuous athletic events in sport. The Boston Marathon attracts the best runners in the world. The winner is automatically placed among the greatest athletes of our times. A few years ago, Rosie Ruiz was the first woman to cross the finish line. She had the laurel placed on her head in a blaze of lights and cheering. She was completely unknown in the world of running. An incredible feat. Her first race was a victory in the prestigious Boston Marathon. Okay, this is where it gets bad. But somebody noticed her legs. They looked quite loose and a whole lot of cellulite. I didn't say that. The person who wrote the story said that. Questions were asked. Wait, has anybody seen the runner on the 26.2-mile course? The truth came out. She jumped in at the last mile. I could run the Boston Marathon if I could do a mile. There was immediate and widespread interest in Rosie. Why would she do that? She was certain that she'd be found out. Athletic performance cannot be faked, but she never admitted her fraud. She repeatedly said, well, I'm going to run another marathon to validate her ability. But somehow, she never did. She lied convincingly and naturally with no sense of conscience no sense of reality in terms of right and wrong, acceptable and unacceptable behavior. In reading about Rosie, we think that she could fake the result. Could she fake the result? Is the truth going to come out? Well, it did. Well, we're going to talk today about God's original design for relationships. And we live in a world that has a lot of fake things but God wants us to be authentic. And because we know the truth about relationships, we can easily not be fooled by the fake. And I pray that as we, as we really dig into every facet of relationships, 
um, that we'll have devotion and proof of protection and wisdom. And this, it is about parenting, but this is not for you as a parent. This is for everybody. Raise your hand if you were a child at some point. Okay, I'm going to ask it again because like four people raise their hand. Raise your hand if you were a child at some point. Thank you. I'm, I'm a little interactive. Sorry, it's because I'm an elementary teacher. Okay, so just forgive me for that. Um, we lead small groups. We serve in kids ministry. But we're going to look under the microscope of parenting. We're going to look under the microscope of are we living an authentic relationship with our family? We want a prosperous life for our kids, but are we modeling that correctly? Well, King Solomon, who was like the superest, wisest king of all times, says in Proverbs 17, a foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to the one who bore him. We have good news a couple chapters before in Proverbs 15, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. And we all know this. Parenting under the best circumstances is difficult. Can I get an amen? amen? Thank you. Or maybe it's just not me. Parenting is hard. Even in the very best ideal situation, God's design for parenting relationships, his design is that each of us, and this is the whole point of this, that in our homes, our kids will see Jesus in us. They will see a glimpse of the Heavenly Father. Of course, not perfection, but our goal is that our life would reveal glimpses glimpses of Jesus. And we're going to jump right into the Old Testament, okay? Um, But before we jump into Scripture, I would love for you to bow your head and pray with me. God, as we open your word, I pray just that you will change our hearts. Each person in this room is on a different walk. Maybe there's a student in this room and they're really struggling. They're trying, to, they're trying to decide if they want to follow you or follow the ways of the world. I pray that for the parent in here that has kids, that we won't be apathetic in our parenting, that we will look to you for guidance. I pray for the single person in here who wants more than anything somebody to share this life with that you will bring peace, and that you will just um, ordain the happenings for them. I pray for the couple who doesn't have a child, and, and they just when they think about it, they just want to cry. God, I pray for miraculously placing a child in their life. I pray for the grandparent in here, God, that they would be the mentors that we need, that they would not just give up and move along, but every one of us, would our life would show glimpses of you. We love you. We honor you. Speak through me. Amen. The coolest thing about following Christ is he, he'll use whoever's willing, okay? And so if you think, oh, I can't do that, Jesus says, you're willing. He's going to use you. We're going to jump right into 1 Samuel chapter 1. It's the beginning part of the Old Testament. If you don't know your books of the Bible, I've got some songs you could sing to learn them. It's really important that you know the books of the Bible so that you know where to go. And it's not that hard, okay? And um, we read in verse three, I want you to be listening for the name Elkanah. You guys ready? Year after year, this man Elkanah went from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests for the Lord. 
Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions to the meat for his wife, Phineas, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. The first dad we're going to look at is a culturally average, average dad, Elkanah. Everybody say Elkanah. Oh my goodness, that was like so terrible. We're going to say it again, Elkanah. Okay, some of us learn by hearing, some of us learn by seeing, some of us learn by saying it, and you're going to know this story. Elkanah. Elkanah was a culturally average dad. Now, he did have two wives, which was culturally acceptable, not ideal, really. Like, even if it was culturally acceptable, like, I feel like I am enough for Bobby. There is not, like, I, I don't know how he could ever, how he could ever function, poor thing. Um, okay, so he took care of the church. He went to church. He took care of his family. He supported his wife, Hannah. I love how the Bible points that out. Now we're going to jump to a culturally terrible dad. His name was Eli. Right? say Eli. Eli. When we say Eli, we have a straight face. I'm going to tell you why. Eli was a priest. He was not a good priest. Okay? Eli had a lot going against him. He actually was a fraud, and his sons were proof. He, um, in verse, later on it says that Eli's sons, they were scoundrels and had no regard for the Lord. Now, that's a tad bit embarrassing for Eli. In verse 17, it says, The sin of the young men were very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Eli's sons actually were not only, not only really um, terrible people, they were doing things like right outside the temple. So it wasn't like a hidden, like a hidden thing. It was very noticeable for everybody. So we talked about Elkanah. Say Elkanah. Okay, average. Eli. Okay, now we're going to talk about a devoted mother. Her name is Hannah. Say Hannah. Hannah. Okay, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me, not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Hannah wanted a son so badly that um, I'm actually, I've been teaching this um, in my elementary Bible class. And it says in the Bible that Hannah was praying at the temple so passionately. Does anybody know what Eli asked her? Well, of course you know. Okay, Bobby said it for y'all. Eli walked up to her and asked her if she was drunk. Now, this is where I go with that. If we're passionately, she wanted a baby more than anything. Number one, she was passionate about asking. Number two, she didn't care what everybody else thought. Can you imagine, guys, 
if we were as passionate as Hannah as a church, and we were crying out to God for our kids who are prodigals, if we're crying out to God for some of our couples in the church who are more than anything they want a baby, if we're crying out to God for our own family, she wasn't, dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Nothing wrong with that. She was passionately begging and weeping God. She had a lot of emotions behind it. I hope the church is a place when we're singing and you're broken, you can kneel at your chair while you're crying and talk to God. That's the environment I want to be in. What about y'all? I want to be in an environment where I can walk up to somebody and say, I don't want to tell you what I'm walking through, but I need somebody to pray over me right now. That's the kind of environment I want to be in. And Hannah wasn't afraid what everybody thought about her. She was begging God. And we're going to look later, she kept her promise. She was begging God for this thing that she did not have. Do we see the difference in those parenting models? Okay, you should shake your head yes. Remember, Elkanah, average, Eli, awful, Hannah, great, okay? Um, so if you're a parent in this room, I'm going to ask you some questions. Don't think about your partner. Think in your mind about these. How does your parenting relationship hold up under a microscope? We can act real good, like we have got our stuff together in public. But if somebody was following me my house, and they, had, they wouldn't need a microscope, honestly. What does my parenting, what does my relationship with my children look like? Are you just providing for the physical needs of your family? That is important. Okay, and do your kids eat a lot? I cannot believe how much my children eat. And I have girls, okay? It's important that we do take care of their physical needs. Are we dedicating our children to a life of following and serving God? This one hit me really hard. I pray for my kids every day, but am I as passionate as Hannah? weeping and praying and begging God that my kids will be a light in this world, that they'll make a difference? Or are you just hoping your kids will figure it out? I'm going to give you the news. They're not going to figure it out. Okay? If you leave, if you are not parenting your children, who is? The world. Their phones. They're not going to figure it out. I work with elementary kids but my kids are older too, so I'm around middle school and high schooler. Guys, they don't know. We need to tell them. When we first got married, I didn't know how to boil water. It seems really easy. My mom did it. Why would I know how to do that? Okay? Maybe you're probably smarter than I was. So Bobby had to show me how to boil water. But we're talking about more than cooking, more than anything. Are we hoping our children are going to figure it out? We are in a spiritual war. They're not going to figure it out, but the world is going to sure tell them what they really want to hear. We jump down to 1 Samuel, um, verse 19. <clears throat> Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, woo, okay? Um, and she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. 
When her husband Elkanah went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill the vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boys weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. So things were looking up for Elkanah and Hannah, okay? She, God chose to give her a son, okay? And this is, I just love that Hannah was like, no, I'm going to take him back to the temple where I said he would be raised. Things are looking up for them. Things are looking really down for Eli. We got it. In uh, chapter 2, verse 22, now Eli, who is very old, he heard about everything his sons were doing to Israel, how they slept with women, served at the entrance of the tent to the meeting. He said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I'm hearing and spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against God, he may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. This does not mean that if your kids mess up, they're going to be put to death. Okay? But Eli was a parent, and he was unaware. He became aware. He did not have the influence to stop it. And so are we, this, this message has been hard for me because I am in the thick of it. Are we listening to what our children are doing? Kids, are you looking and listening at what your parents are teaching? Later on in 1 Samuel, it says that Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor with the Lord. And then later on in 1 Samuel 2, um, Hannah actually had three more sons and two more daughters. So God, it says that the presence of the Lord was there. And so what we're going to talk about today is what do you hope to see in your future? This is not just for parents like me who are in the thick of it. This will go for everybody, grandparents, okay? You still have kids in your lives. Maybe you don't have kids. These two goals really are just recentering yourself. Maybe you're single and you think, well, I don't even work in kids' church. Number one, go. This is the first time I've been in second service because I'm back there in kids' church and I love it. Okay? But let's listen to some of these goals and try to apply them to our life. Number one, we're going to magnify a life that loves the Lord. And so when we think of magnify, we're thinking in prayer, in worship, in following Jesus. We're preparing our children to do the same, but magnify is not just what I say, it's what I do. So here's the bad news. A a magnifying glass does not lie. Okay, and so if we went to a Super Bowl party, this is how much I care. Super Bowl, actually, I'm not even going to hold it up. This is how much I care, okay? Don't care. Anybody else? Okay, we can, thank you, Susan, we can hang out together. Um, we are having whatever, we'll do chips and dip and all the fun things, but okay, we're going to talk about who knows what kind of chips this is. This is Dorito. 
So as we talk about magnify the Lord, I want you to look at these ships. From far away, they're pretty similar, right? Okay, this is a name brand Dorito. It's in the red bag. This is a Target no-name organic sweet potato tortilla chip, okay? So no matter, no matter how many times I tell you, here is a Dorito. What will you say? <laughs> because he's nice. He'd be like, that's not a Dorito. And I'm like, oh, okay, here's a Dorito. Is there a big difference in the real and the fake? Y'all, one of our first fights in marriage, I'm really cheap when it comes to food because I'm like, I'd rather have a cute outfit than eat good food, okay? So... When we first got married, our first big fight was he wanted me to buy him Pop-Tarts, and I bought him, like, the Lop-Tarts, like the no-name, you know? And I was like, what's the difference? Okay? So sometimes it matters. Authentic and fake matters. But here's the thing is, when we magnify what is in us, it does not matter. If I tell you to, I'm blue in the face, that this is a Dorito, I could tell you 500 times, does it change it? So I want you to think about this in your walk with Christ. No matter what you say, no matter what you put on, you're never going to be the authentic version until Jesus is in you and you are living out of that. When we magnify a life for the Lord, it cannot be showy because in the end, what is in my heart is going to what? It's going to come out. Like Rosie. Okay, girlfriend ran one mile. She was pretty easy to spot, but really not that easy because they even put the thing on her head, right? In a world where we can be authentic or if we can be fake, let's choose authentic. When we magnify a life that loves the Lord, side note, if you're not spending time with Jesus, you're not gonna magnify the Lord. If you are not in his word, if you're not listening to worship music, if you're not putting into you, what's going to come out is ridiculousness, right? Okay, and I feel like I'm the biggest sinner of all. I'll say things and I'll be like, oh, shoot, that was not nice. Okay, because we're sinners. And, and what comes, what's in comes out. We want to magnify. And God wants this for our kids. And let me tell you, the other day, one of mine said something and I was like, you should not. Okay? We may be able to fool others. We cannot fool our family. They're going to know immediately if it's Doritos or organic, whatever that is. Which, um, organic's not bad, but they're not Doritos. Um, number two, we're going to model a life that loves the Lord. So if we are, if I just keep eating gummy bears and drinking Diet Coke and not working out, am I going to get healthier? No. The answer is no. Okay? If none of you knew that, because I've tried it. Okay? I'm not going to get healthier. Because what's inside, I'm the one who knows if I am eating healthy and working out. My kids at home are going to notice, oh, mom, how many gummy bears have you had today? Okay, um, but when we talk about a model, a life for the Lord, 
This is really cool. I want you to think about this. Samuel, he did not see Hannah's prayer for him to be born. But what if he needed a microscope? Absolutely not. He didn't see when his mom was on her knees begging God and praying to God for a baby. But he wouldn't have needed a microscope. He saw his father consistently. And just a side note, thank goodness the Bible doesn't say we have to be perfect, right? We are all sinners. We're going to make mistakes. But he saw his mom and he saw his dad consistently worshiping God, going to the church, and wanting a faith-filled family and kids is not enough. If you're single, wanting to live a life that glorifies God is not enough. Grandparent, wanting anything is never enough. I want to show my husband that I think he's awesome. Can it stop there? Absolutely not. My actions will show him if I love him. We want our kids to grow up and love Jesus. We want people around to see Jesus in us, but wanting is not enough. We need consistency. We need dedication. For some of us who are more stubborn, any more stubborn people in the house? Okay, well, there's like five of us. Okay, so we can have a meeting after. This can work against and for me. I'm, I haven't read through the Bible in a while, so I'm reading through the Bible right now. And I'm so stubborn, I will finish it, okay? But then there's other things where I'm like stubborn with, oh man, I really should do that, but wanting it isn't enough. But we also know that a parenting relationship, we're going to protect, we're we're going to provide. But it is our choice. And if you're thinking, Shira, this is an absolutely terrible message. Well, I'm going to tell you there's hope. You may think, well, things weren't great for me. Okay, I I didn't have a great example of a father or mother. Or, you know what? I'm kind of, what are you talking about? But I believe that God wants to have a relationship with you. In Psalm 68, it says, a father to a fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. God wants to become a part of your family. He wants you to follow him, but there's this big, fat, ugly thing called sin, right? And when it is me and my husband or my family, that sin keeps us from modeling that behavior. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what? I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. The good news is, it says in Romans 10, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe you're justified and with your mouth that you profess you are saved. You may say, you know what? I kind of feel like I'm gonna throw up a little bit. That is probably the Holy Spirit turning. Have you decided, have you made, and you need to do it once. Have you made the commitment and said to the Lord, Jesus, I am a sinner. I know that you sent your son and you died on the cross for me. 
And it doesn't end there what happened a few days later. Rose again. That is called the moment of salvation. And you can't model, you can't magnify life that loves the Lord if that hasn't happened. I can't be a marathon runner if I wear these shoes. What do I have to do? Put on shoes and run. So that may be you today. You're thinking, I don't have that. Talk to us. It is a decision that will change your life. But maybe you're on the other side and you're going to say, sure, I am really trying. I am trying. Whether you were a parent or you're 12 or you're 82, I'm trying to live a life that loves the Lord, but it's really, really hard. I want each of us to get a magnifying glass and look at our own heart. We can say things all day, but words are cheap, aren't they? Where is my heart? If I want to magnify the Lord, if I want to model the Lord in my house, I better be in his word. I'm going to give you guys a challenge. And you say, okay, you know what? I I am a Christ follower. I am a Christian. I'm going to give you, and I want everybody in this room to pick one. I'm going to give you three ways where the Lord has been just like ripping my heart. As I, as I have been preparing for this message, y'all, like I have to apologize to my kids probably every day. And I pulled a whole bunch of students and I asked them the best thing their parents did and something they wished they could change. And I think your answers would be surprised. The overwhelming answer for they love what they do is take care of me, love me, you know, all the good things. Overwhelming. Five-year-olds to 12-year-olds. Overwhelming. I wish my mom or my dad would put their phone down. My mom cares more about her phone. My dad is always on his phone. He says it's work. My mom's always doing this. And I'm not doing that to guilt. I'm doing that because maybe you're like me and I need a reality check. When I magnify the Lord, there are times I pick up my phone and I look at Pinterest just because I have no brain left. What about if I just sat there and turned on some music? I gave everybody this little note and you get to keep the felt pens. You're welcome. Um, I'm very different from my husband. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like... It it fits, okay? I'm going to give this to you because this is what I do know. We make a decision, and then we're like, see you later. We walk out the door, and nothing changes. So I give you this because I want to read a verse from Deuteronomy, and I want you, before you leave today, look it up and write this and post it. It says in Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all all your soul with all your strength impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home when you lie down when you walk up the road when you get up write them on your door frame of your house and your gates I think this practically wise I take paper 
and I write Bible verses on it and I put it in my mirror. So when I don't look in the mirror, I'm like, what in the world? I put it on my kid's mirror because my world is telling them that they don't look good enough. I put them in my car because my goodness, sometimes when I get a phone call and it's really annoying, I need to look at God's word. What verse do you need to write today? I have one on the way to my house and I know it might not be cute for your decoration, but that does not matter. Write a verse, memorize it, say it with your kids. That is challenge number one. Challenge number two, put your on phone down. Fast from it. The world is not gonna fall apart. You guys, this is me too. Starting today when I get home, I have a little basket and has a cute little ribbon on it and I put cell phones on it. When I enter that house, I'm gonna put my phone down and I'm gonna focus on my kids. I'm gonna focus on what matters. And here's the other thing, guys, it's gonna get time for Jesus to what? Speak to me. He can't speak to me if I'm always listening to something else, huh? Number one, put a Bible verse up. It says in the Bible, this is what changes us, right? Number two, fast from your phone. Do not be the parent that that student is saying, hey, my parent loves their phone more than me. Number three, this is something we do. I'm giving it to you as an example. It is a little bit weird, but even if you don't know me, you can see that's just how I roll, okay? Every time I step foot into my car, I'm trying to see if there's anybody that drives with me here. I had my I had a student last year. Summer, what do I do? I pray. It's real weird when I we didn't really know Summer. That was a little awkward. It's awkward. I don't care. Actually, Lori's there. I remember the first time I went to pick a Connor, I did it. And I was like, Connor, gonna think I'm a wackadoodle. But it's okay, I am. I'm gonna tell you why. Now, side note, I was praying when I ran into Bobby's car a couple weeks ago. Um my eyes were open. It was just really dark out. I'm not necessarily praying for safety. What am I praying for? <laughs> Which I guess I should start praying for safety. <laughs> what am I praying for? I'm praying for my day because my morning is terrible and my kids take forever to get ready. I'm praying for my day because I'm going out there into a war and I want to model Jesus and I cannot do it without Jesus. I am modeling to my kids that everything matters. Yeah, we're thankful for our tomato soup and grilled cheese. But that's not where it stops. It cannot stop there. If you want to magnify, if you want to model Jesus in your house, it needs to be in your car. It needs to be at your job. It needs to be everywhere. Because you're not fooling anyone. If we want to model a life for the Lord. We have got to start to take some stands. Not gossiping about our coworker, even though they're a knucklehead. Choosing love, even though that person talked bad about us. Choosing kindness, even though our kids are so annoying sometimes. Are your kids annoying? Okay, well, just mine. I got special kids. This is not just a part of our story. This needs to be our story. I believe that church, we need to take some steps. There is freedom, but we can't just want it. We have to take action. If you do not know to Jesus, that's your first step. You say, you know what, Shira, I know Jesus. That's awesome. Take a step. Are you going to fast from your phone? Put that thing down. That's what I'm doing. And you can hold me accountable. 
Are you going to place some Bible verses at prominent places in your house so that when you see them, you are reminded of why we're doing this life? You remind your kids of, we, I sing Bible verses too. Um, not the best method probably, but if you ask my kids, ask any of them, what does your mom say about kindness? They will sing a verse to you, okay? We're, we're putting them in our, in our children's heads. Third one, pray. Pray when you get in that car. Pray. Sometimes we pray before we get in goodwill, which is weird, but we do. We want to find something good that we need. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want you to pick one of those, and I want you to tell somebody. You can tell me, because when we say it out loud, what happens? We'll do it. We have accountability. What are we going to do if we want to live a life that models the Lord in our home? If we want to live a life that models Jesus in everything we do, we've got to take a change. We've got to make a change. I'd like you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to think today, If somebody followed you around for this whole day, what would they say you modeled? Do you need to refocus your family? Do you need to put your phone up? Has that become something that is in between you and your kids, in between you and God? Maybe it's you don't have scripture. You don't have it in your mind. You don't have it around your house. Maybe you need to start reading the Bible daily. Maybe you need to start praying and making that something that you do at all times. I don't know what it is for you. Jesus, we love you. I thank you, God, that you've chosen to put us in this room together during this time. I thank you for opening your word and encouraging us, but also rebuking us, God. We want to live a life that magnifies you. We want to live a life that models you so when we go into the world, somebody sees something different. We want to live an authentic life where if we're in church or we're in a house, we're in the same people. Where we have to apologize to our kids because we want to look like you, God. I pray for every person in this room where they're poking just at their heart, God. I pray that we will leave this room and we will not be the same. We will make a small change or a huge change, God, and we will give you all the glory. Thank you for the examples in the Bible of good and bad and average parenting. I pray that the word just keeps coming alive as we go through this week and that our kids grow to love you. You are so good, so faithful, even when we're not. Thank you for that. In your name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.